It's the Asian Boxing Podcast, Scott and Colin, AsianBoxing.info. Scott, we have a monster show for you, and yes, that pun is intended. Before we get to Inoue, though, Saturday, there was great cards, and we had uh, one in Japan that was of note. The Japanese one, for me at least, was the show of the weekend. It had three really good fights on it, it had a fantastic knockout. Um, it's one of those ones that was on Boxing Rare, so I guess most people didn't see it, but they missed out. The card just had talent right through it. It had 50-50 belts. The main event was the rematch between Ryoichi Tamura and Yusuke Kuga, and that was genuinely the fight of the weekend. It was two guys knocking seven bells off each other. Absolutely brutal fight. I don't think either guy will want a third belt. It was a win for Kuga, ending Tamura's very short reign as the Japanese champion at Super Bantamweight. I see both guys spending a lot of time away from the ring. They took so much punishment. It was just brutal. Really, really hard watch. Um, Kuga expected him to make an easy defense uh, around the fall, August, September. For Tamura, his style isn't going to lead itself well to a long career. It's not retirement time, but it's time to perhaps move his level of competition down. Pick up a couple of easy wins before going to war again. He's such a fun guy to watch, but his career will come at a real cost long term. Also on that card, you saw a lightweight bout between uh, Aso and uh, Yanagi. That was a great one as well. That was that was amazing. Anyone who's seen Koichi Aso knows what to expect. He has one gear and it's just straight forward, straight head into chest. Yanagi saw the pressure, knew what to expect, and outboxed him, really badly hurt him in round seven. How Asa got through the seventh round is a is a mystery. Uh, but then, in the final 30 seconds, Asa comes on strong. And Asa's one of those guys who, who is incredibly limited, but driven, has so much desire. His will to win is massive, and it makes a really, really fun fight to watch. I, I love watching guys like that. Even though they're not as skilled, it's it's impressive because... You wonder, how is he still standing up? How is he in this fight? And it's because he has heart. Yeah, it's a bit like we saw with Yoshihiro Kamagai. Technically ter- terrible, but it makes for such excitement. It makes for a must-watch. Uh, it's just a shame that Asa's career has taken its toll on him. And it's hard to see how long he's going to stay in the sport now after yet another war. Who else impressed you on that card? I- Kenta Nakagawa impressed me with his knockout. For the most part, the bout against Ryusuke Nasu was less than impressive, but his knockout was absolutely brutal. Uh, and Yusuke Fujihara picked up a really fun win against Noyokamoto. That was a, a far-on war. It was really fun to watch again. It's a really good card, and if you do have boxing rooms, I do advise that we go on. <laughs> you make an effort to try and watch that to anyone listening. It's a nine ninety nine subscription per month, correct? It's nine hundred eighty yen. I'm not sure what that works out as in dollars, but it's yeah, around ten dollars a month. And just for the video on demand library, that's worth it. So there you go. Pick up box rays. You can go back and, and watch that excellent card on the weekend. I was not watching that card. I probably should have been, but I do need to still jump on the boxing rays. But uh, my weekend was centered on the card in Glasgow, and Scott, it did not disappoint. It was a good one. The only disappointing thing seems to be that Daniel Raw Viking, who was announced for the card, didn't appear. I'm not really sure what happened to his belt, but yeah. 
the card is solid throughout. Um, the undercard a little bit missable, but the two main belts over delivered. They're both absolutely fantastic. When the World Boxing Series clicks, when they actually have their stuff together and they pit two great champions against one another, that's what it could be. Uh, that's what boxing should be every single week. Uh, none of this, you know, I'm not going to go across to your street and fight you. You know, the best fighting the best. And I know the World Boxing Super Series has had many flaws, but this week they got it right. No doubt about it. Both fights were fantastic. Um, Ivan Berinchik and Josh Taylor put on a high-level, exciting, um, about 140 pounds. That was truly entertaining from start to finish. But, of course, the star of the show was Noye Inoue. Uh, his second round win over Emmanuel Rodriguez, finally. So the mainstream boxing press take note of what a young, brilliant talent the monster is. It really seemed this was when they are taking notice. I, I know that uh, boxing fans, hardcore fans, have, have known him for a long time. But you're right, the mainstream media, Steve Kim on ESPN released uh article saying, hey, Inouye's my number one pound-for-pound pound fighter. Now the world is taking notice. And Steve Bunch mentioned him in, a, I think it was a piece for The Guardian, suggesting that if you had a pet bear, you'd keep the bear away from you anyway for fear of the bear's life. So, yeah, it's, He's right about that. It's just a shame it's taken this long. It's kind of weird that it's the Roman Gonzalez thing again. He does it for years, he doesn't get any recognition, finally gets it a couple of years too late, if not three or four years too late. But at luckily, least luckily for Inouye, he's in his prime, unlike Gonzalez. Yeah, very much so. It's just perhaps the win over Omar Navais is where they should have started to take note. You know, just being critical of the boxing press in general. But it is a little bit late to now start cheering and leading the guy when he's done so much before you start talking about him. Wake up Kose Tanaka again. When are you going to start talking about him in the boxing press? It's frustrating to see these guys doing absolutely amazing things and being overlooked until they fight in the US or they fight in the UK and hi hi Steve Kim hi Steve Bunce everybody else take note of these other guys coming through the ranks because he knew it isn't the only one he was trending on Twitter after that fight that was something that shocked me too uh, someone in a bantamweight class trending on Twitter uh, from Japan very, very impressive outing, and it did incredible in Japan, too, uh, with the numbers. On tip to that, it got around a peak of 10 million, an average of 7 million, and that's on tip to that. Uh, what I mean, when's the last time a fight did numbers like that? It, I mean, I guess Murata probably did pretty well, but those are great numbers, like you said, on tape delay, something that you wouldn't expect. Murata and Ayaka are about the only two that get those sorts of numbers. Even compared to Inoue's previous fights, this is beating them by a couple of percentage points. It's It stands out as something special even over there. Um, and it's a hard one to explain. Perhaps it was the fact it was seen as a 50-50 bout by some. It was perhaps knowing the result and making making that sort of the keys. I want to see how he did it, but those numbers are just unreal. It's funny too because... I think everyone got it wrong when predicting the fight. Even you and I were like, yeah, you know, sixth round, seventh round knockout. He's going to he's going to wear him out. I was not expecting him to finish work like that and, and so quickly. 
it's surprisingly quick. I think we all expected anyway to get the win. I think we all expected him to get the stoppage, but to do it in two rounds, very impressive. It sounds like he was really hungry about the way his father's been treated. And his comments to the Japanese press were, I would have said something to his trainer, but boxing is a sport. But again, if you go and rewatch the fight, you can see him almost snarling down after the first knockdown. It's, oh, he definitely looked back at the corner and to give him a little like, yeah, that's what that's what you got your boy into, man. Now watch me do, for, uh, do worse. But yeah, you can almost see that he was angry. And I think I think people have got to learn, don't make him angry. Jay McDonald found out as well. The way to beat anyway is perhaps to suffocate him in niceness. That's the Nonito Donaire way. Give him a couple hugs. Yeah, give him a hug, a kiss, a little peck on the cheek. Even even so, like uh, watching Donaire and Inoue in the center of that ring when they were getting ready, just kind of preparing for the next fight and facing off. Donaire, of course, always a gentleman, and you can see that Inoue respects him, but Inoue is still trying to keep his distance and, and still try to be like, yeah, this this is a fight. Yeah, the two guys have known each other for a while. Um, before Inoue fought Navais, he was actually getting coaching tips from Donaire. It's not like they've only just met into this tournament. They haven't they have certainly been in the same circles for a while and I think that's led to Inu showing a lot of respect to Donaire, but there is also the case that we do have to fight and we will have to throw punches at each other. So I don't want to be your friend right now, but down the line, yeah, we're getting like good buddies again. They both wanted to fight each other at the start of the tournament and if Burnett didn't pick Donaire, that, that was going to be Inouye's pick for, for the first round. We're lucky that we get to see it in the finals because I know Donaire's slower and he's older, but he's still a legend, and it's a big fight for Asia. It is a big fight for boxing, if we're being quite frank. Um, it sounds like the preferred venue is the Kayasera Osaka Dome, which holds 39,000 people. Sorry, it holds between 36 and 45,000, depending on how it's set up. It's going to at least triple what the SSE Hydro can hold in Scotland. It's going to be loud and crazy. <laughs> I mean, the people from the Philippines will be there, a bunch of Japanese people there, so uh, it's going to be a raucous crowd. Some of the fans who'd gone to the Glasgow fight from the UK are also talking about trying to get tickets over if that's where it's held, and it's going kind of like, that's how much of an impact he's left on them, and... Yeah, it's going to be a hell of an atmosphere, isn't it? They were totally behind him. When he came out, he had the cheers. Rodriguez had the boos. I saw multiple Glasgow fans going crazy when he knocked out Rodriguez. And I was a little surprised. I knew they would be interested in watching a great fighter because they're great boxing fans. But I didn't know they were going to be pulling for him um, so hard. What you find about the British is they tend to not like particularly cocky and arrogant people, whilst Emmanuel Rodriguez isn't. William Cruz's behavior at the workout lightly turned them against his man. That will do it. You do something like that, you pull a stunt like that, and the whole boxing world is going to want to see you get your just due. And again, it's not fair to Emmanuel Rodriguez. He wasn't doing anything, but it was his trainer who, little young, little inexperienced, think he was trying to psych the Inoue team out, and it worked against him. It backfired. It slightly backfired. You get away with that sort of thing 
if you're at home or like Mayweather did repeatedly and if you're, you know, that sort of character. But when it's your trainer getting you in the in the duty, should we say, it probably isn't a good idea. When do you think they're going to have this next championship bout? Where are you forecasting the date? Uh, the fall, so probably September. September seems to line up with what Japanese calendars usually do. There's usually three peaks for the Japanese um, May, September, and December. As we all know, December is huge. Um, but I'd imagine it's probably going to be September, and they're going to try and fit one more fight in, in December. See, that would be great. I know you had an article on AsianBoxing.info that kind of mapped out what Inoue wants to do. A couple of his goals. One, to become a five-division world champ. He needs two more divisions, but he's well on his way. Two, possibly a Neri fight. Do you think that could happen this this year after he beats Donaire, if he beats Donaire? I don't think that'll happen this year, I think. Anyways, final bout of the year will be in Japan. Almost certainly on one of the big Fuji cars at the end of the year. And Neri is still going to indefinite suspension in Japan. But for next year, that bout makes sense for a US bout or um, potentially even a European bout. It's sort of a neutral territory type of thing. Maybe like a, a unification against Tete at the end of the year would be something that is realistic. It seems more realistic. It may be just a case of getting a big name over. <laughs> From a news point of view, a Tete bout would make sense. From a Tete point of view, it might not make sense. Like, I want to go all the way to Japan and get beat up on New Year's Eve. I don't think uh, that's in my cards. Yeah, I could fight Ryan Burnett or Jean-Riel Casemiro on a top-ranked card and improve my profile a little bit first. Well, whatever happens... I'm glad that he's finally getting exposure. It's still small when it comes to mainstream fans who only know the heavyweights and Floyd and Manny. But hopefully if he continues to do what he does, even a a casual fan will be like, yeah, I know that guy from Japan. He is truly a monster. That's the hope. And then hopefully, fingers crossed, as fans will fall down and look at the other parts of the spot, perhaps look into his brother and into the other fast-rising Japanese fighters. And it opens the door to them to be bigger names and to be aware of more than what's just going on in the West at the moment. Now, great day of boxing Saturday, but Sunday was equally as good. We saw another title bout between uh, Konishi and Alvarado. Alvarado, my goodness, he has dynamite in both hands, but Konishi was tough. Kanishi was incredibly tough. And Alvarado really, really beaten up in the last few rounds. The fight started pretty competitively. Kanishi was certainly in it until round seven or eight. You know, he was pressuring. He was pushing Alvarado back, keeping Alvarado off balance, stopping him from putting extension on his punches. Uh, then, unfortunately for Kanishi, he sort of ran out of steam a bit. And Alvarado came very close to stoppage. Very close to stoppage in rounds 11. 10 and 11, I believe. Um, Alvarado then called out the Japanese, or the, the other Japanese champions at the weight, so made, a, made noise about fighting Hirota Kaigushi and Kenshiro, so those bouts late in the year, quite possibly if they don't face each other. 
I know the Japanese fans really took a liking to Alvarado as well. Yeah, the fight was in a, a hotel, and on his way from the ring to sort of his hotel room, they all kept hugging him and trying to get photos with him. It's very clear they turned uh, turned into Alvarado fans during the belt. Konishi's like, come on, guys. What are you doing? I'm over here. <laughs> I'm in my hometown. Why are you not? <sighs> I'm tough. Yeah. <laughs> It was a really good performance by Kanishi. He was just unfortunately against a world, a genuine world-class fighter. Kanishi Horikawa actually defended his Japanese title on the same card against Masashi Tada. Although, talking about boxing rules, they actually did a free stream for non-members of a card, of a card from Shizuoka. And the, the guy who stood out on that card was Subasa Marucci, a bantamweight prospect who dominated Raymond Tabugon. Marucci was fighting for the fourth time. Um, he debuted about a year ago. Tabugan, on the other hand, is a true veteran. He's been in with a real who's who of who's who, such as Juan Francisco Estrada, Luis Neri, Andrew Maloney. Um, uh, to have a win against Tabugan in just his fourth fight is really, really impressive for Marucci. That's the thing. There's just so much young talent. We, you mentioned it earlier. Naoya Inoue, hopefully he opens up mainstream media, boxing fans to the great talent of Japan besides just him because there's a lot of it. There's a lot of it and it's growing all the time. There isn't going to be a cut-off point in a year or two because Inoue is then going to have a groundswell beneath him of people who take up the spot and with Tokyo 2020, there's going to be so much talent coming through the Olympic Games that we're, we're going to be set for a very long golden age in Japanese boxing. Yeah, would you say this is one of the better times, better periods? I know we had, you know, the late 60s, early, mid, late 60s was a great time for Japanese boxing. Every, every decade has had excellent Japanese fighters, but would you say this is one of, if not the best times for a Japanese boxer to, to be in the sport? It's certainly the best time for a Japanese boxer to be in the sport. The fact that the JBC now recognizes the WBO and the IBF titles certainly helps. It's perhaps not the best time to be a fan, but I think we're only a couple of years away from a lot more live coverage of Japanese boxing, um, which is strange because it's kind of cut back this year on how many cards are live, but I think we will we'll see We'll see live TV becoming more more interested in the years to come. Yeah, after you see ten million for a delayed show, I think uh, the television companies are going to say, "Okay, people want to watch it." Yeah, yeah, we've had two um, G G plus cards delayed. We've had Kanishi's fight from the weekend not shown live. It's a bit of a frustrating time, but with the newest numbers, it's clear that there is a big fan base, and for the right fight, they will tune in. Masayuki Ito is fighting this Saturday again in America. He has a new nickname given to him actually by Steve Kim from ESPN. The judge, uh, Lance Ito was uh, the judge of the OJ Simpson case. And that's literally where the nickname derives from. So I don't know how much Masayuki Ito is embracing it, but he's wearing shirts. He's selling shirts with the judge on it. I'm excited to watch Masayuki Ito. I just like him. He's not the most technical guy, but he's tough and he... Always has a smile on his face. He's just a likable guy. 
he's a likable guy, but he's one of those fighters who's adapted to become more likable. As a personality, he's a really charming young guy. His style originally was actually quite dull. He was, he was very technical early in his career, very much a jab and move, jab and move. He's become a lot more fan friendly as he's developed and he's added sort of power shots and a lot more of an excitement sort of to watching his fights than we saw early and it's combined with his success as a fighter. So I've got a feeling he may be coming more and more exciting because he's having success with that style and it isn't worth going back to the safety first style that he once had. Give credit to his trainer, Rudy Hernandez. Uh, I, he He's a heck of a trainer, and it's almost that Mexican style. You know, walk forward, take some punches, and give some back. Yeah, it's, it's make sure you land more near the guy, and you land harder than near the guy as well. It, originally, when we saw him first, like, sort of Masao Nakamura, it was a case of, oh, this guy can punch, I can't. And now it's a case of, I can punch, I can probably punch harder than you. Where, where do you see this matchup going? Herring's tough. He's a southpaw, a little tricky. He's extremely strong and physical. I have Ito winning in a unanimous decision. Uh, what do you think? I'm going with you. I think Ito wins. He may get a late stoppage. The decision is the, the obvious pick, I guess. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by a very late stoppage. For some reason, this bout has been removed from box rec. Um, I'm not sure why or for how long, but it's still taking place. Ito has been doing it. Used today with the Japanese press talking about the bout, so he's mentioned about training for southpaws, and it seems like he's aware of what he's going to be up against, and I think that always helps. And he's not going in blind against a fighter like Herring; he knows what to expect. There is also some other news about Ito. Ito has left the Banrayu Gym and has transferred his Japanese license over to the Yokohama Hickory Gym. It's unclear why. There is no reason given. But it is worth noting that Yokohama Hickory, uh, one of the promoters involved in the A-Sign boxing project. So it may mean that his fights or something to do with his fights will be on the A-Sign boxing YouTube channel going forward. That's the only reason I can think of for the reason to change. It doesn't really make any sense, if I'm being completely honest. Why I am extremely excited for this card, not only is Masayuki Ito fighting in America, it's going to be on ESPN, so everyone gets to see it, and that will add to the Japanese, uh, at least a little bit more, or at least other fans, casual fans, being able to watch this. But on the undercard, Koki Eto is fighting, and he always brings an exciting style. I don't know if it's going to be on TV, it might be on ESPN+. Plus. I really don't care. I have to watch this fight somehow because he's just always exciting. He's so much fun to watch. His fights with uh, Compet Popramuk and Arden Dial were just incredible. The Arden Dial fight, I think he got dropped three times and won the fight. Then when there was celebrating, his trainer knocked him out. It was just crazy stuff. I think he's probably going to get dusted in, in a matchup against a great boxer, but it's going to be exciting. It is. And if Sinchon does dust him, it would be incredibly impressive. He's he went the distance with Carlos Quadras. He's got stopped very late against Yodmon Call in Thailand. He is a very tough guy. He's very open. He's defensively terrible, but very tough, very exciting. So a good prediction would be like it's gonna go the distance, but he's gonna get beat up. Oh, he's gonna get broken down in the middle of the late rounds after having an absolute whooping put on him. 
and they're going to have to like stop it. He's not going to stop and lay down, but the ref is going to have to stop it or the doctor is going to have to say no. Yeah, I don't see his team stepping in to serve him. I imagine it'll have to be a doctor or a referee stoppage. A good old bonsai, like, we're not, we're not going to quit attitude. Yeah, it's why it's been so much fun to watch, but you kind of think his last few bouts since losing to Quadras have been at a very low level. And he even then, he's been put down. He was dropped very hard by John Blatso. He's... I think he was hurt last time out as well. It's, he's entertaining. <laughs> he's probably the first way to talk on. Can Chu versus Shun Kubo. That's going to be a great scrap. And then uh, Shokimura versus Kanizales on the same card. All uh, going to be this Sunday. What do you think about this card, Scott? I think Carlos Kanizales versus Shokimura has the potential to be the fight of the year. It's going to be one of those... One of those fights where you think both guys' health is probably not worth the spot afterwards. Kanazawa's is just a punching machine. Kimura's teak tough, fantastic stamina. If Kimura can make light flyweight without any issues, this is going to be brutal. Kubo, we know his chin sometimes is suspect. Kanchu, he's not a knockout guy. What what happens in this fight and who wins? I'm expecting Zu to win. I think his work rate more than his power would be the problem for Kubo. Kubo certainly the bigger punch of the two but as you mentioned his chin's not the best um under the pressure that Zu's going to bring i think we'll see kubo wilt he may see out the course but i wouldn't be massively surprised by a stop it late stop it win for zoo anything else uh, going on this weekend uh this weekend there's a show in osaka which will be put on demand on box and raise it features masahiro sakamoto and who Lost to Maruti Mathlana at the end of last year, fighting Yusuke Sakashita. I can't really say too much about Sakashita other than his knockout loss to Suguru Muranaka is an absolute peach. That's one of the best punches I've seen. You have Ben Menanquil on that card from the Philippines as well, fighting Yuki Strong Kobayashi. That's one way I favor the visit. I think Menanquil will be too good for Kobayashi, but it's not a foregone conclusion. On the same card, we also see the very highly touted Tulio Kuwabata fighting former world title challenger John Mark Apollinario. Kuwabata will be fighting for the third time. He was touted when he turned professional. He was a top amateur. This is a big step up, but if he wins, he'll almost certainly find himself in the title mix by the end of the year of some sort. Whether it's a a youth title or just a high-ranking position, Kuwabata is one to watch. So tons of more boxing this weekend. I thought we were going to get a breath after this past Saturday and Sunday. No, you're going to go right back home this weekend and enjoy some boxing Saturday and Sunday. You're going to like it. Yeah. And then there's a Korean novice card on Monday. It just doesn't stop, does it? Especially if you are the man, the myth, the legend, Scott, who is in charge of AsianBoxing.info and just writing every single article, watching every single fight. doesn't stop for him. This past Saturday, it genuinely didn't stop. There was the Japanese card followed by a Taiwanese card, a Thai card, a Russian card with Uzbeks on, the Glasgow card. Then the f- for, uh, half past four the following morning, there's a Japanese card stream live. Uh, someone got me a Red Bull. Before we finish our show, there's some big news that just dropped, just came through the grapevine. 
Ken Shiro. He's back, and he's going to be on an excellent card. Ken Shiro, as mentioned um, back in April by Ian Mello Delar, who's a fantastic Filipino. Um, I genuinely suggest that everybody on Twitter follows Ian Mello Delar. Um, Ken Shiro will be defending his title on the Ryota Morata Rob Brandt undercard against his mandatory challenger, Jonathan Takuning. Kenshiro, as we know, is a fantastic boxer. Brilliant punch picker, controls the ring brilliantly. One of the best jabs in the sport. Takuning is a big punching Filipino. This has danger written over it. And how Kenshiro deals with Takuning's power and aggression will be really interesting to see. This is going to be at the Osaka Dome? It's not going to be the Osaka Dome. It is going to be in Osaka. But not the dome. The dome's very rarely used. It's not actually been used since 1999 when Raya Joyshira Tatsuyoshi lost to Vera Falls Saprom in their second bout. Domes are not used in boxing. So for a new and donair to be touted for that is something special. Instead, this will be at the Edian Arena in Osaka, or the Prefectural Gymnasium, or as it was previously called, the Bodymaker Coliseum. <laughs> how how many people does it hold? Nowhere near as many as the domes. It's a decent size for a Japanese venue, but it's not nothing spectacular. Around eight thousand, give or take. It, it's a venue that Ayoka basically made his home on. Nowadays, it's used as one of the two big venues in um, Osaka with the Sumiyoshi Ward Center. I'd almost w- rather watch Kenshiro than Murata, to be quite honest. It's but... really a better. Belt, isn't it? And watching Brant use Murata as a punching bag again. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to be fun. Maybe maybe Murata switches some things up. I don't know. Anyway, that's going to be a great card. I'm glad Kenshiro's finally back. I've been yearning to watch one of his bouts. It's been a while. I know uh, he, he, he fought, what, three times last year, so he needed some rest, maybe. But get back in there, Ken. You're still young. You could do it. Come on, June, September, and December. I believe. Get that in your dinner card. Oh, that would be great. That would be phenomenal. Asianboxing.info. Scott and Colin. Also follow us on Twitter at Asian Boxing. We will talk to you next week.